Blog Talk Radio. Y'all, it's a boy, not a faithful. Uh, feels good to be back after a couple weeks hiatus, but um, we're back. And uh, as always, I thank you for joining me on today's show. Uh, Adam will be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give our thoughts on the off season, the little Antonio Brown situation that's been going on, and uh, also some big news re- involving um, the quarterback for Oklahoma. Kyle Fuller, and um, we're going to give a little bit of draft picks and and free agency stuff, but before we get started today, I remind you to go to patreon.com forward slash Niner Faithful Radio, the link's in the description, go ahead and see what great rewards we have for you contributing to the show, 
And also, Sea Giant has savings on all your ticket purchases. Go ahead and go to SeatGiant.com. Use the promo code Niner Faithful Radio, all one word, and save on all your ticket purchases. So, oh yeah, also, number to call into the show is 646-668-8467, and the number to text in is 408-755-0015. Yeah, I believe that's it. Um, I got a new phone, so all the stuff isn't transferred yet. But um, so while we're waiting for Adam to come on today's show, I thought we'd go ahead and since it's been announced that the Niners will um, coach the South roster for the Senior Bowl, some of the people that have already been invited and accepted to the Senior Bowl. You have quarterback Will Geyer from West Virginia, Gardner, Gardner, Meshew the second from Washington State. This is all quarterbacks. Yeah, this is all quarterbacks. Uh, Jarrett Sidden, Auburn. Clayton Thorson, Northwestern. Tyree Jackson from Buffalo. Your wide receivers are Trey Badley from Marshall. Travis Fongum, Old Domain, Jalen Hutter, Baylor, Hutter, Renfor, Clemson, Debo, wow, they really named their kid Debo, Debo Samuel, South Carolina, David Skills, West Virginia, Jalen Smith, Louisville, Anthony Jackson, Buffalo, he moved from North Texas. Running backs, Bruce Allen Anderson, sorry, North Dakota State, Raquel, Armstead Temple, L.J. Scott, Michigan State, Trevon Wesco, West Virginia, tight ends. We don't really need any tight ends. Let me see if Adam's called in. I'll go ahead and set Adam the list. And, yeah, let me go ahead and go through it. Uh, offensive lineman. Oh, okay, that's it. Wow, that's all it. Um, tight ends is Foster Morlow, LSU. Josopher Oliver, San, Josh Oliver from San Jose State. Big ups to San Jose State. Be nice to get a San Jose State tight end. Dax Raymond, Utah State, and your offensive linemen are B.J. Utry, Jacksonville State, Yodin. Case, I don't even know how to say that. West Virginia, Dennis Daly, South Carolina, Andre Dillard, Washington State, Tarius Hayward, Alabama State, Elgin Jenkins, Mississippi State, Javon Patterson, Ole Miss, Ross Plesheberger, Alabama, and Ben Powers, Oklahoma. And that's So far, all the invitees and announcements for the the Senior Bowl. So those are the potential players that the Niners have uh, this year. Let me go ahead and and text Adam. Let me see. Yeah, let me go ahead. We're on for plan 
whatever you want to call, go ahead. I don't think that he's on that, no. He's not showing up yet. So, um, went ahead. Did it send it? Because last time it didn't even send the text. Okay, it sends it this time. Um, so, to get into a little bit of draft talk before Adam comes on, um, Oklahoma quarterback Kylo Fuller, who uh, won the Heisman and also um, was the number nine overall draft pick by the uh, the Oakland A's for baseball, has declared for the draft. He is a junior at Oklahoma. Now, he can pull out of the draft. He has 72 hours to undeclare for the draft. I wouldn't see why he would undeclare, um, considering that he could have just not declared and, you know, gone to baseball. So the fact that he, he declared for the draft shows me that uh, he really wants to play football. Everything that I've read is – everything that I've read is that, you know, he he likes baseball, but he really loves football, and, and football is his passion. So it sounds like he's going to go to football. Now, on Niners.com, they came out with the, the first – Joe Fan came out with the first uh, mock draft for Niners.com. And so I uh, went over ten predictions of what we think we'll do in the, the first round. Uh, Dwayne Boger from The Athletic has got us taking Quentin Williams. Uh, Benjamin Solak, the Draft Network, has us taking Nick Bosa. Same with Rob Rang from NFLDraftScout.com. Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports has us taking Colin uh, Farrell. I wouldn't necessarily be... Oh, but he has his trading dropping back to pick number seven with uh, Jaguars. So I like that they they added this trade in here. Um, Chris Trent, some Sparrow, the same thing. Dan Kader of SB Nation has us taking Josh Allen. Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, same thing. Tim Daniels, Bleacher Report, same thing. Trevor Skidman, The Draft Network, same thing. Luke Easterling, same thing with Bosa. So we got four Bosas, three Allens, two Furls, and one Quentin Williams. Um, you know, from what everybody's telling me, it seems to me that Josh Allen is going to be uh, a, a second round pick from from everything that I've read, and that uh, from everything that I read and am I'm, I'm hearing so far. I wonder. 
that he, he's going to be taking a pick. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to see what's taking Adam so long. Let me go ahead and pop on a quick song because I don't think it'll take me that long. Yeah, let me go ahead and put on this one, and then we'll be right back. Not a gang in the same rock and red and go. Yeah, we better touch down like a rapper low. Stand a hand with the plan, watching Rumble Sports. Once we on top, we unstoppable. In the pack like I'm Aaron Rodgers. But I'm coming for your neck like I'm Ruben Foster. I'm just trying to get it done for the record. But I ain't got no time like CJ Beckham. Go on, run it back. Carlos Hyde in the backfield. You're going to get picked up like Eric Reed had it that feel. I put the wheels on them like Goodwin. Make a safety look dumb. What you doing? Got some head on for the first down. Ay, Kendrick Bourne with the out route. Ay, then we pulling up downtown. Ay, you ain't faithful. You ain't been around. Ay. timing uh so we're gonna go ahead and bring him on right now so i don't look like an idiot talking to myself what's up adam how you doing brother not too much big dog thanks for having me on again i appreciate it as always of course of course of course so um i went ahead and kind of decided um i'm pretty sure you saw the tweet that i put out that i do for for the show and everything every week um i thought that that this show it's, it's 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 we're kind of in that weird, you know, part of the football season where the teams that aren't in the playoffs kind of don't have, right. you know, we don't we don't have any news to talk about, you know, right. and um, so. No, big news. Did, but, you know, there's always a little something going on in in Niner Town, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already went over um, the quarterback from Oklahoma, Kyle Fuller. 
um, declaring for the okay. draft. But also, um, yeah, I wanted to get your your opinion real, real quick. Um, this came up in um, a Niner group I'm a part of on Facebook, and somebody had mentioned that Trent Brown looked um, good yesterday, and uh, that you know we made a mistake trading him. And I kind of, I have a feeling that you're going to agree with me, but maybe you don't. So I kind of felt that getting Trent Brown is. I felt this is that Trent Brown wanted from what, everything I heard. Trent Brown wanted left tackle money. He he wanted to sure. pay like a left tackle. And the issue I have is now this is not against Trent Brown as a person. Um, from what I heard, he's actually a really cool dude. Uh, he's a Gator. He's a Florida Gator, so you know that makes it special to my heart. But um, to me, when you show up to training camp, forty pounds overweight that shows me a lack of dedication and I'm not really comfortable with somebody that you're not sure is a scheme fit for, for what we want to do in the run game. And somebody sure. that comes over yeah. four pounds overweight to training camp, I'm not trying to give them a left tackle type of money. And I, right. I think sometimes everybody just assumes when you play right tackle that the natural transition is to play left tackle. And I, I don't think that that's for everybody. You know, I, I think that, yeah. So basically, yeah, it's not Madden. You just slide them over. Yeah. Well, basically, my opinion was this: is when you add in that we essentially got the best tackle in the draft, uh, projected best tackle, and statistically over the season the best tackle, uh, we got a seventh round draft pick for for Trent Brown, which is what we spent on him. Although, it, although admittedly, it was a different regime, and um, I, I, I think that. We kind of—I don't want to say that we 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 got a robbery, but if we're going to hey, wreck Trent Brown, it was a third and a seventh, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or did we give him a seventh that we got the third? I know we at least got a third. I don't know if we got a seventh as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think if I'm—I'll I'll look it up uh, I'll, and post it on the Niner Faithful Radio Facebook. But I believe we we simply—I um, believe we just swapped sevens. I believe, or, oh, or we got we got a third too. That's we got a third too. That's a guarantee. Yeah, okay. Well, basically, uh, I just real quick on your opinion. I mean, I don't think we made yeah, a mistake I, trading I, Trent Brown. I pretty, right, right. And I pretty much I just to piggyback off of your comment. I totally agree with you as far as you know. You're getting ready to possibly uh, get in contract negotiations, and you're you know obviously the way the Niners like to do things, you know, with our cap flexibility, you know, we probably would have gave a good chunk of guaranteed money up front and all that. So it's, you know, obviously made a made a quite a interesting decision, obviously, for the Four Niners organization to uh trade him. Um, obviously after landing Mike McGlinchey once he went to he was available to us. But uh yeah. I think it worked out for both for both sides, just in terms of, you know, we know how crucial the obviously the run game and the play action game is in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Trent Brown didn't really fit that mold that great. We always knew he was a great and damn near elite called the pass protector. No questions yeah, 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 yeah. there. Um, you know, with the you know the way the Patriots like to do things, they, those fools will change their systems like every year to kind of adapt to the personnel. And then, boy, Niner fans are like, "Well, how couldn't we adapt our system?" Well, Shanahan's system is pretty damn strict in terms of what he needs, and that's what he's going to do. So uh, it's working out obviously for the Patriots. Let's see what happens with. With their negotiations, you know, do they lock him up big time money? Uh, yeah, exactly. I would like to think the they're Patriots at least going to extend him to the end of Tom Brady's career, right? Yeah, uh, the Patriots tend not to give big money contracts, from what I've understood. 
is is right. you know yeah. so Trent Brown is trying to get the fattest payday. He will not be a New England Patriot. He, you know that's kind of been the thing right. about. From from what I understand now, I'm not an expert on how the Patriots do business or anything like that. But from what I've always understood is Tom Brady's kind of always took team friendly deals, and built and then you know uh, the. I don't know who it is, but whoever's in, in charge of co- uh, contract negotiations for the Patriots has kind of always been like, look, if Tom's not taking top dollar, you're not taking top dollar. You, you know, and, and yeah. the equivalent – I don't know to Bill the is pretty much the GM as well. Exactly. I mean, Bill Belichick has built a system that basically is pretty much almost any player is replaceable except number 12, which kind of reminds me of Bill Walsh, which is every player is replaceable except number 16. Which we right. all know that Bill was, Bill, Bill was always trying to look to replace Joe. He just essentially right. was never able to do it because Joe always came back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I just kind of the the, the 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 funny thing the about thing that about is man, he wanted to keep Jimmy and trade Brady, but uh, Kraft ended up vetoing. By the way, the trade compensation from Trent Brown, we sent Trent Brown the number one forty three pick in last year's draft with a ninety five, which was the third rounder. So okay. Clear that up. okay. Not bad. I'm I'm not tripping. Uh, I mean, that's, that's great, okay. That's, but, uh, got something, I guess. So the thing that um I I kind of just wanted to get the because I understood what the dude was saying, you know. But my whole thing about it is, is I understand that we weren't necessarily the best pass protecting team this year. Uh, I told him I said, look, bro, I went to six out of the eight home games. And I said, uh, there was nothing that made me feel that, yeah, Mike McGlinchey got beat. I'm not saying he's flawless. But when you saw elite pass rush, in my opinion, when you saw elite pass rush, you saw him held, hold his own. Uh, he held his own against Vaughn Miller. He held his own against um, Khalil Mack and Chubbs. He, he, to me, the issues with pass protection from what I saw this year were coming from the interior. Uh, I don't think yeah. that our tackles were necessarily the issues. I feel that the that, that interior, yeah. interior, now without breaking down film and going to play-by-play, um, I know that the game everybody wants to point out to is the two games games. Um, I would combat by, by, by saying, oh. yeah. Well, the thing I would combat that by saying is, yeah, but when Aaron Donald has 19 and a half sacks, that, that tells me that a lot of offensive lines struggled to contain Aaron Donald this year. <laughs> yep. So, you, you look, if you take out those Jams games, yeah. when you take out those Jams games, it kind of figures out. And to me, to me, what, what, what to me, separates, I don't want to say the boys from the men, but what separates franchise piece players is the ability to make others better. And I don't think Joe Staley is not the type of person to, to give praise lightly. And when Joe Staley has pretty much came out all season and pretty much said that, that you know, Mike McGlinchey is, is you know, great, he, he feels that he's going to be a good player, but also he, he talked about how he pre- pushed him. He made him step up his game. Now, you're talking about one of the greatest linemen in Niner history, probably. For sure. I think it'll be. Is there anybody better? I think it will be difficult for Joe Staley to make the Hall of Fame. I think he's not going to be a first ballot. I think it will take a little bit for Joe Staley to get in if he does get in. 
but he's definitely a little harder for offensive linemen to get in in general. Now. Well, yeah, it's exactly how how many offensive linemen are in the Pro Hall of Fame, and also, but to me, there's not a question he deserves to go in the 49ers Hall of Fame at at Levi Stadium. Oh, yeah. that, that that's no question. And to me personally, nobody nobody should ever wear number 74 ever again. That's just my personal opinion. But yeah. So to, to to so I I figure we both agree to it now. The thing I was really looking forward to getting into, and I'm pretty sure our listeners are too, is what's your opinion on Antonio Brown? Oh, my gosh. I I feel like just like the rest of us, we're all just antsy and kind of patiently waiting to, uh, you know, for the show to start a little bit and start getting a little more smoke as far as the rumblings go. Um, Obviously, I've been saying kind of all along, not to be an expert over here or anything like that, but uh, pretty sure negotiations that we're going to have to wait until the combine in order for – negotiations actually take place. And, you know, Steelers are going to do their due diligence. They're going to talk to the other teams while they're there, that whole runaround. But uh, the most interesting point about that, excuse me, what do you think about the – okay, we've all heard cases like, yeah, hey, he's, uh, he's turned into like a, a locker room cancer and this and that. Part of that might be true. I'm a big believer in, you know, once, you know, once kind of things get to a certain point, you know, like your mind and the rest of your environment just kind of becomes toxic. You just kind of need to change the scenery sometimes. I mean, we're human beings. You know, especially when you're, you know, constantly on every day, you know, especially in a sport like football where, you know, you're always yeah. around the same guys and yada, yada, and your act kind of wears thin. That's part of Jim Harbaugh's problem. We've always heard that his act kind of wears thin on people as time goes on. So long story short, what I was trying to get at is if, if you're other teams and supposedly you're hearing that Antonio Brown could have, like, locker room issues and all that, why would you trade for Antonio Brown if you're one of those teams not named the 49ers? I mean, that's kind of my thing about it is let's it seems like it's 49ers so, or nothing to me. I don't want to, you know, bore people. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows how this started. George Kittle, you know, and and, and so on and so forth. With a, sim- and, with a simple you know, so, sup on a retweet of Antonio Brown. Yeah, pretty much a simple sup. And he pretty much became a Niner fan. I mean, like like he posts and is doing things like like he's a Niner fan. So my thing oh, about okay. it is uh, I actually – I'm mad because it's not letting me show it up on my phone, and I know it won't pull up on my tablet. But um, they had – now, to me, there's two parts of this. There's the the Antonio the Brown, like what happened in, in – like you said, what happened in the locker room. You know, uh, John Lynch, when it came with the Joe Williams situation, it, uh, has pretty much always said, look, somebody quits on the team, that's a no-go for me. You know, now what I, – I don't believe – no go is the wrong word because obviously we drafted Joe Williams. So, to me, uh, I, do I believe that the Niners are doing their due diligence? Do I believe that whenever the conversations are allowed to happen, I know that he can't officially be traded until the new uh, – new, uh, new, the new league year starts – I want to say it's March 11th. Something like that. I remember it's March 5th. It's It's March what? Oh, I said said early March. Uh, Leon, let me go ahead and uh, Google that one. I believe it's March 5th because I want to say it's about two weeks before my birthday. My birthday is the 19th. So that would be actually a pretty sweet trade present. So, So to me, 
what happened in Pittsburgh, what happened essentially between him and Ben, ben Roethlisberger. Now, could it be that – yeah, I don't know. That, that to me, because, without knowing the situation, like if it's something petty, you know, then, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that, that it was something petty and that just caused you to pretty much quit on your football team. Now, if it's something serious, like he said something about his wife or his mama or, you know, something racist or something like that, yeah, I'm not mad at Antonio Brown at all. I do believe mm. that I do believe that winning cures things. I do believe that I, I'm more inclined to say that there might be something in Pittsburgh, the fact that you look at Le'Veon Bell. Now, his situation wasn't a problem with the Steelers. He just wanted to get paid. But yeah. you have LaDavian Le- Le- Bell and Antonio Brown, which are, are two superstars of, of the Steelers, both essentially being okay with not playing with the team. Uh, the owner, yeah. I feel that the owner coming out and saying that, essentially saying, look, Antonio Brown, we think it's best Antonio Brown is, is not a Steeler this year anymore. I think that kind of hurts your your what you're going to get back in trade. You know, if, if teams think that you're okay with, you know, accepting them. It's just simple business negotiations. You you don't let people know that, you know, how desperate you are. So to me, there, there's the locker room situation. Now, I – the reason I'm bringing this up now is is I haven't listened to the full interview, but from what I can tell in the interview and what I've read, Jerry, the GOAT, as he's better known, uh, is all on board. And basically says, look, if it was up to me, Antonio Brown would be on the next plane ride, to, plane flight to San Francisco. Well, he'd probably yeah. fly in. I guess had a third time yesterday, and, uh, you know, Antonio Brown literally told him, and, you know, the message was relayed by Jerry Rice as well, that, uh, that Antonio yeah. Brown wants to be a forward pretty badly, quote-unquote. Um, by the way, this March 13th, March 13th is when the new league, the new league okay. year officially begins. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so – to me, yeah, he um, like, all, like on, on Instagram and all this, this and that. Like, there's definitely yeah, exactly. crazy amount. Uh, there's a picture. I I, I can't I couldn't see it because it was on my phone. But to me, it looks like it's a picture of uh, him. Uh, a fan had painted it. It's half him, half Jerry. And then the Jerry part yeah. is is red, red and gold. And then the other part is him as a. Now apparently, he's very close with Jerry talks to him frequently, has came out and wanted to train with him, um, has said that, I don't know, for all y'all who are from the Bay Area, you know where the hill is. For all y'all who don't, I forget what city. But there's this famous hill in, in the city, uh, not the, the city, San Francisco, but a city. I can't remember exactly where it is. But it's this notorious hill that Jerry Rice ran, and he trained. And, I mean, this, this hill is famous for making professional athletes tap out and say, I'm done. I can't do this. And, you know, Antonio Brown said he wants to train with Jerry Rice on the Hill. And, you know, it it sounds to me like he's saying all the things, the right things to Jerry. So to me, the locker room issues, I'm not saying that doesn't need to be monitored. I'm not saying that it's not a concern, but if you have the GOAT, the greatest football player ever to live, you know, telling I think we should listen. You know, I, I think that I don't want to say the locker room is checked off. I'm not going to say that we don't need to do due diligence, but you know what? If Jerry says it's okay, I tend to believe that it's all right. 
you know, I would What's believe right? Jerry more than I would do Antonio Brown. I mean, of course, Antonio Brown's going to come in there and tell you everything you want to hear. I don't believe that Jerry would would sabotage the Niners. I believe that Jerry's relationship with the Niners is greater than his relationship with Antonio Brown. So I trust that Jerry's doing what he honestly in his heart believes the right thing. There's now that we have the issue of – Sorry to cut you off there. Is that pretty much the yeah, yeah. Niners are like are, are flirting with Antonio Brown, but we can't get caught up with tampering because Jerry Rice is doing it. He's no longer technically a part of the – you know, he's technically not part of the organization. By the way, the hill, I look at the location, Edgewater Park. I don't know where the hell that is. Obviously, you're the you're the Bay Area native, but Edgewater Park. Yeah. Edgewater Park. Okay, that's um, it's outside of San Francisco. It's in um, City, California. I don't know if the city is literally called the it's, city. It's, oh, oh, this city. That's it, it just says City, California. Yeah. Edgewater Park, City, California. Hmm. It's, it's somewhere outside of San Francisco, it sounds like. Um, I'll look it up, and, and, and I'll figure it out. But I know I've driven by it because I remember my dad pointing it out to me because my dad was like, that's the hill Jerry Rice trains on. Um, so, Anyways, the, yeah, 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 of course. But so to me, it's the compensation. Um, you know, I'm not giving away the second overall pick for Antonio, a 30 – by the time the season starts – a 31-year-old receiver. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't give a damn how good he is. I'm not giving a second overall draft pick for a second. Now, second, uh, the, 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 the the trade that I've heard around, the, the, the thing that I've been heard floated around is this year's second and next year's second. To me, uh-huh. I'd do it. I'd do it. And that future second going to be late, you know. That's part of it. Exactly, exactly. I'll put it to you this way. Um, I think you and me, with Antonio Brown in, in the mix, um, I, I don't think that we're going to be a top 10 pick next year. Um, I, I, I don't see that. I, I see it's what, because I believe it's the, what, from 20 on is playoff teams, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 From 20 to 32 are the playoff teams. So... Uh, 15 to 19, 12 to 19 is where I, you know, see us selecting next year. So what the number, I believe it's the number, it would be the fourth, uh, the fourth selection in the second round this year. And then a mid round selection next year and the second round for a receiver. I'm down. Um, I, I think that it, it, if that's what it takes, I mean, that's a little too pricey. Would I like to maybe do something like a, you know, maybe a second this year and uh, – or maybe a third this year and a second and third next year? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to get rid of two second-round picks, especially this yeah. year since considering we don't have a seventh or a fifth. But – um the the, the 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 negotiation part is is I I think the compensation will be be fair. I mean I don't think that John Lynch is going to do something crazy like two first round picks or anything like that. Now the and question you guys, that, the, the, with all the dead money that they're going to have to cough up, even though he's not going to be on the team, I was so just going to make it worth that. The the article 
the article that I had, it sucks because I'll share it to the Nine of Faithful Radio Facebook page and Twitter, and I'll go ahead and, and tag you in it, Adam, so you can share it to 49ers Insiders. But um, For sure. It, it gives you the option to tackle. Uh, it shows you the dead money and stuff, and it gives you the option to do uh, uh, pre-June 1st, post-June 1st. So from what I understand and can remember from this article, I was hoping that I'd be able to pull it up so I could actually physically do it. But before June 1st, it's about 20, it's about 20, 21 million that they would have to eat in dead, yeah. uh, dead money and only save about 1.4 million in salary yeah. cap this year. Now what is, now what hasn't been mentioned a lot in these articles is, um, I believe it's something like 14 or 15 million that the Steelers are getting back for Ladavian Bell. Uh, yeah, for him not being on the. Um, so yeah, the owner. So the CEO of the team has came out and said that the 21 million for Antonio Brown is not the issue. It, it'll, basically, from what it sounded like, it seems like just a strictly compensation issue. You know, what are they going to receive yeah. in return for trading him? That's and not my issue. The Niners have plenty of. cap for them. So just something else to the uh, Niners have, keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. The Niners have plenty of cap room, so his salary is not yeah. going to be an issue. Um, you and yeah. me are both in agreement that Pierre Gasson has played his last game as a Niner. Yeah. I, I think that – so essentially what I feel that we would be doing is trading Antonio Brown for Pierre Gasson. And I say, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll go pick him up from San Jose Airport right now. And I'll pack Pierre. I'll pack I'll Pierre's bags for him. I've been throwing this out there too. I think Marquise Goodwin could be in play. Not that there have been any reports about that, but I think he would be a great fit on the opposite side of Smith Schuster. Um, and obviously, if they get compensation as well, as far as picks go, you know, they've been pretty great about drafting wide receivers. So I think they can find a quick replacement with Marquise Goodwin so they don't have to stress that, you know, we they perhaps to change their, to, uh, change their draft approach, you know, by maybe like, obviously, if they don't have Goodwin, maybe they're like, all right, maybe we'll trade up in the first or yada, yada, or take another one in yeah, the second exactly. or something. But I think Goodwin would be a great replacement. And then obviously, depending on the compensation, I think it worked out for both teams. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And see, that that's something that kind of – Kyle Shanahan, uh, I believe it was in his end of the press conference – end of the season press conference, had came out and said that he envisions uh, Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis competing for a starting role next year. Um, I could see very well see that. I could very well see that. Obviously, the 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 the, the second round pick next year would probably not be included. It might, you know, including Marquise Goodwin might switch it down to third, fourth, or fifth, maybe. You know, hey, we'll give you a second this year, Marquise Goodwin, and a fourth next year. You know, type of yeah. type of situation. And um, obviously, uh, um frees up the spot for Dante Pettis. Um, KB, obviously, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big Kendrick Bourne fan. I'm a big Kendrick Bourne fan, and the fact is I don't think that Kendrick Bourne will be a number one, number two receiver. You know, but Kendrick yeah, Bourne is the type of player that I like on my team. Sure. I like him. I like he goes over the middle. I like that he, he goes up and, I mean, that catch that he had against the Bears. He went over and he snagged that ball. That was a man catch. 
KB is not afraid to go up and, and get the ball. And yeah, fine. He's not, you know, probably not the most talented, maybe not the best route runner. You know, he has flaws in his game. Sure. But you know what? Sometimes you just need somebody who's a football player and somebody who's just, you know what, give me the ball and I'm going to go get it, you know? And right. I, I like KB. I, I, I like him enough to keep him on the roster. I don't want to see Kendrick Bourne playing on a, on another team next year. I think that he, 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 he can be a great contributor. I, led the, I believe led the receivers in receiving yards this year. So sure. you know, KB is, is definitely – Definitely a good thing, and and obviously receiver being a need, you know, kind of goes into the – now everybody says, are we ready to win now? I don't think the whole win now, win later thing is going to be so much of a factor because look, look at Sherman. You know, uh, Richard Sherman's not really a, a, a player that you sign if you fully expect it to be a couple years before you start competing. You know, Richard Sherman was signed for a, a win now. Maybe not necessarily last year, but definitely this year, you know. And so yeah. the thing that that gets to me is my thing about it is now when. And, and, and to, so are we doing it pre-June 1st, post-June 1st? Now well, if – Here's the thing about that situation. Yeah, to, I guess Antonio Brown is owed a $2 million roster bonus on the league New Year. So I, that's another okay. reason why I thought I, everybody thought we were going to have to wait until after June 1st. But it looks like, once again, with the Le'Veon Bell uh, money that's going to be credited back to the Steelers, and I guess Big Ben is going to end up uh, uh, restructuring his contract to open up further cap space for them, I guess it is totally game that he will be traded by the new league year so they don't have to give him that $2 million roster bonus. Oh, sweet. All right. That 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 kind of okay, that kind of defeated my point. My point what I, that I was going to bring up was if he if just by scenario, if he is traded by June 1st or uh, post June 1st, I could see that being a situation where you add a Marquise Goodwin. Uh I I think that and the only reason I say that is is I understand it's before training camp, but you're probably mm-hmm. going to have at least an coaches may not be ready before training camp to give somebody a starting role, but they have an idea on who they think would be the starter. And so by oh, June 1st, we, we, we probably won't have our starting lineup set in stone, but the Kyle Shanahan will have a, a, a guess on who's going to win that, that, um, that, start, that starting job. And that yeah, obviously if it would be Dante Pettis that would win the starting job, that would freeze up Marquise Goodwin. Dante Pettis is not getting traded. Um, <laughs> even if Marquise Goodwin yeah. wins that job, Dante Pettis is not going to get traded. So I actually I, – I, I'm, I'm sealing up. I'm, I'm arrow up on Dante Pettis. He, he showed some things last year. And I think that his injury and a rookie wall uh, kind of – he kind of hit the rookie wall and injury bug kind of at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think what's, I think what's not understood a lot about the pros is that the, now let's look at Dante Pettis, for example, he, his dad is an athlete, you know, his mother's an athlete. So he's probably been told that he's just a great athlete his whole life. And he's probably been able just to be faster and have more shake than everybody else in his whole life. And yeah. I think with, with players like Dante Pettis, for example, 
have to understand is, guess what? Everybody in the NFL is a great athlete. Everybody in the NFL yep. was told they're the best athlete. And, the, and I think that that really is a legitimate adjusting, adjustment period. And sometimes when you're older, like myself, who's 33, you kind of sometimes forget what it's like to be a 21, 22, 23-year-old kid in the you know. You think that you're the shit. You think you're invincible. You think you're the greatest thing that ever comes in sliced bread, especially pro football players, because those people have been fed that they're the greatest every moment of their life. You know, they've been told that they're the greatest, and, you know, everybody kisses their ass and everything like that. And when you come to the NFL and it's like, you know, hey, guess what? Everybody's great. You know, it it takes an adjustment. You know, you're not going to – in the NFL – most of the time, you're not going to be playing somebody who in a couple months is going to be a UPS driver. In college, legitly in college, you are playing some people who, you know, come the end of the season and come graduation, they'll be UPS drivers. Not saying that there's anything wrong with being a UPS driver, but in the, in the NFL, there ain't no UPS drivers, generally yeah. speaking. You know, and so there's to me – now, so I think we're pretty much both on the same page. Antonio Brown, I, I, if I had to put money down, I think he's he's a Niner at the end of the year. Or I'm not the end of the year, I, at the beginning of the season. And yeah. now, does that mean, you know, set your, I don't know where the Super Bowl is next year, but buy your plane tickets for, you know, the Super Bowl next year? No, I'm not saying that by any means. But, you know, I think that I feel if if we get Antonio Brown, I'll feel a lot better. And, yeah, you know. Well, it depends on the best of agency in the draft. You know, obviously Antonio Brown is not going to make or break the entire 49ers team. That's for damn sure. No, but no, no, no. Obviously, improve your chances. I think we're going to be a playoff team, in my own personal opinion, with or without Antonio I Brown. But he's, he's like a guy that, let's just say, you get into the wild card, whatever, and, you know, both uh, in our both our lifetimes, I should say, like, we've seen wild card teams like the Steelers and the Packers mm-hmm. get into the wild card and go away. So, yeah. you know, when you know, we're a young ascending team, but if you get in the playoffs and you have somebody like Antonio Brown who can win those one-on-one matchups and Dr. Pettis is the number two, he, we, we've clearly seen him. He's a wonderful route runner already. Yeah. And uh, he can win the oh, yeah. matchup if he gets number two. You just never know, you know. And I think that's all we want to do. Like, we get back in the game. Adam, I could agree with. I couldn't agree with you more. I am a firm believer of. Hey, all I want, all I want is my team to get in, and I got faith in my team. You know, because once you're in, yeah. even as a wild card, all you need to do is win four games. That's it. Now they're, they're the yeah. hardest four games to mm-hmm. win in a football season. You know. And you're going up, you know, you're not going up against cakewalks. You're going up with, with other teams that are, you know, great yeah. teams. But it's it's not who the best football in hockey, basketball, you know, uh, baseball, t- sports that have, you know, multiple game playoffs where you got to win multiple games in one, one round. Generally, in those sports, the be- better team wins. And football, it's just about who's playing the best. It's not who the better team is. By any means, for sure. You know, uh, it's not who the better better team is. It's it's just who's playing the best football on that particular day. I was talking to somebody today about um, we were talking about how the way that the Eagles could upset the the, the Saints, and I said, look, 
I mean, we obviously know it didn't happen, but you know, this is before it happened. And I said, look, you don't know. Maybe Drew Brees doesn't get good, doesn't get a good night's sleep that night. You know, maybe Drew's, Drew Brees' kids keep him up. You know, maybe he gets, you know, maybe his wife, he goes and eats at a new restaurant and he gets food poisoned. I mean, I'm not saying I wish these things on people or anything, but you, you just don't know. You know, you just the whole game. We know that's good. So, so my, th- that's kind of the point is that, that we're both in agreement. Antonio Brown should be a Niner. Now, this is my, my question for you, and I know you've been blowing for Bosa all year. With Kyle Fuller declaring for the draft, this is, of course, assuming that Arizona doesn't take him. I don't think that they'll take him just because they took Josh Rosen last year. Yeah. Um, so, scenario – so, th- th- this is my scenario is is they take Bosa. How Okay, so they take Bosa. Let's just say the Cardinals – Take Chalk, they take Bosa. Kyle Fuller's obviously sitting there, pick number two. How far are you willing to trade back? If you're the Arizona Cardinals? Um, no, it may be a good question for us. Oh, how far do we trade back? Assuming like Bosa's gone. Yeah. Is pretty much what you're getting at as well. Bosa, Cardinals pick Bosa, you know. Okay. Fuller's obviously still sitting there. What do we do? How far are we willing to go? Because we're obviously going to have. To me, I I think now this is before you know scaling combine and everything like that. Like like I said last yeah. show, I'm I'm all for how big of a jump up is it between you know for example Bosa and Colin Farrell. How big of a drop off is there? You know right. because to me I feel that I don't feel that Nick Bosa by himself makes us a Super Bowl contending team. Now if you add Nick yeah. Bosa with Antonio Brown and you know, various other free agents. Or what, yeah, sure, they, it's possible, but Nick Bosa is not going to be a, a franchise saver right now. So to me, yeah. um, how big of a drop-off is it? That, that, that's yeah, my I mean, question. I so I think it's definitely going to obviously play a role as far as the combine, and then obviously you have yeah. pro days and everything along those lines. It's just, I just don't know exactly, you know, you don't, we don't, I mean, a lot of there's experts out there in the whole run around that you just don't know how teams value certain guys. You don't know how their big board is looking. Yeah. I mean, exactly. uh, I remember back to the and Thomas. I mean, I guess you just never know that we're not to trade down literally one or two spots depending on who's available, who they like. You know, what I mean, all we know right now, Josiah, Josiah Polite, uh, the edge rush, edge rusher from uh, Florida, can be our number one edge on our board. You know, we just don't know yeah. how we value certain exactly. guys. So. Uh, I mean, and and that's I guess that's the beauty about it all, right? That's why we watch the draft. So uh, exactly, you know, just kind of exactly. Because we don't think we're gonna go. Mike McGlinchey last year. I mean, I was in Vegas. I mean, we were all stunned, right? I I was literally on the phone. Uh, we're gonna have him on in a couple weeks, or uh, I don't know about a couple weeks. We're gonna have um, him on. I have him on every year before the draft. Um, it's my boy Chris. He he used to work for ESPN and stuff. And he, he likes to come on and, and, and talk draft. Y'all, you two will have a field day together. <laughs> like I can already tell. Um, nice. So I'm going to have, I was actually on his show that he does. And um, okay. I thought we were, I thought we were going to go um, 
I had no clue who we were going to go. Because I, I thought what was going to happen is I thought we were going to – I wanted us to take Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson was gone. I thought we were going to take Rokon Smith. And the fact that the yeah. Bears took Rokon Smith, I was like, well, then I have no idea. I, I'm not going to even lie to you. Um, I have heard, I had heard of Mike McGlinchey, obviously, because he was mentioned a lot with Quentin Nelson. But, yeah. you know, if you would have told me he was the number one tackle in the draft, that would have been news to me. I was just so focused on Quentin Nelson and Roquan Smith and linebackers that I didn't even think about taking the tackle. But, of course, at the time, I didn't think about trading Trent Brown. I figured that they would just go in kind of like they did with, with um, almost like they did with Jimmy Ward, which is, hey, we'll use your last year to kind of determine, you know, what to yeah. do with you. Yeah, I mean, that's another interesting so, part, too, like, Trent Brown could have easily been a 49er if we lose that coin flip to the Raiders. The only reason why we oh, were yeah. able to trade him, you know. I think he very well would have been a, a, a Niner. I, I very well. Now, would he be a Niner next year, you know, 2019 season? I don't know. But would he have been a Niner yeah. for 2018? Yes. He would have been a Niner for 2018. So, yeah. um, to me, I'd say I, the team – in my backup now, obviously there are plenty. Every team's always looking for a franchise. Well, not every team, but you know, plenty of teams are looking for franchise quarterbacks. To me, yeah. just something wants to tell me that Jacksonville. Something tells me that Jackson. Something tells me that Jacksonville is going to want to move up to get that franchise quarterback. Or Giants moving from two, or the Giants, uh, moving from. From uh, so then, let me better phrase this. I think it'll be a bidding war between them and the Giants. I think so too. I, I the Giants are. I think it'll number, be the Jags have the number seven overall. Just in case nobody uh, just in case they can. Oh, it was seven overall. I thought it, then Jacksonville's nine. The Giants have the seven and and Giants have the six. Okay, that's what okay. I would do if I was the Giants. Yeah, exactly. I would say that. So basically, I think it'll be a bidding war between them. And I think so. From what I've heard, from what I've heard, everybody's just saying that this this draft is loaded with edge rushers. And so, what I honestly think is going to happen is the the you're going to factor in the fact that we only have five picks, the fact that this is a deep draft in in edge rushers, and the fact is that, that the Niners that. have always been a, the Niners have always been a team that coveted more picks. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I guess we're going to get a fifth-round comp pick for uh, Aaron Lynch and, you know, some of the other guys that we lost in previous free agencies. At least we're getting one pick back, you know. So, we're so pretty okay, much so we will have a fifth. Guys. Okay, so then I think that brings us up to six. So, yeah, I can, I can really see us. To me, that's that's my scenario. Now, the, uh, minus, you know, Bosa. Bosa's not there. Arizona takes Bosa. You know, you can never have too many people to hit, you know, rush the quarterback. And get some picks back or add some picks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, but I'm going to trade it down. Well, then never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, 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 the pick, the, the scenario I see most happening is I really what I see happening, honestly, is I see Arizona trading out of that pick. Because I think Arizona, I think. I think Arizona, depending on how Fuller, you know, tests and things like that, obviously, I think Arizona's going to trade out of that pick, which is fine because Bosa falls right in our lap. I'm sorry? You're Colin Murray? 
Yeah, Kyle Murray. I keep on Kyle Murray. I keep on saying his name wrong. Wow. You're gonna confuse somebody out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, right. Kyle Murray. Yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. about that, y'all. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, I think I think the only they, way to keep Murray is if they're able to trade Rosen for like a first rounder. For example, if the Jazz yeah. called him up and they're like, hey, "What do you guys want for Josh Rosen?" Like, uh, you know, give us Rosen and a a fourth or something like that, and you can have our first our first round pick. Like, I think that's the only way yeah. Murray ends up becoming is if a scenario like yeah, where they're able to trade Josh. And uh, you never know. The 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 the, the rumor of this even starting is that the new head coach for the Cardinals, Cardinals before he became the head coach said that he wanted Fuller. And that that's right. just how that this whole rumor started. Sometimes. So the, to me, I think, um, I think, I think that's honestly the scenario that happens. And it's now, I think John Lynch his decision would be, do we take Bosa? Obviously, I think there will be some teams that, that call with some interest for Bosa. I do, or, yeah. or various other players that they think are worthy of the, the second overall pick. Um, so I think it's really going to be coming down, do we want to take multiple picks or Bosa? And, you know, wh- where do we – who's our second-rated rusher, and how do we feel that that shakes up? If If we can trade back two, three, four, five, six picks – and still get the guy that we want, you know, or or get our second choice, but get those, you know, maybe a, a, another third and a fourth and a second next year or something like that, by all yeah. means. I, I, to me, I want multiple edge rushers coming out of this draft. So, um, yeah, free is going to play a role. That's a pretty good class as far as free exactly. and edge rushers go. That's going to play a role. Um, yeah, I've been saying it all. We've been saying it all year. Tag. We need two edge rushers. Yeah, yeah. Franchise tag is, is going to play a lot into that. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people want Clowney. Um, I think he'll be franchised. You know. Um, yeah, Marcus Lawrence, I don't Clowney, D4, Frank Clark could all easily end up getting franchise tag. Trey Flowers from the Patriots. Exactly. Too. But the good news is, there's a lot of things out there. You know, there's a Daniel Smith on the Ravens, Brandon oh, Graham. Exactly. I mean, I remember when Justin Smith. I remember oh, when Justin Smith came over here. Justin oh, Smith, yeah. you know, Justin Smith wasn't, you know, there were some people around here that were like, who? We gave how much to who? And, you know, <laughs> a couple years, you know. A couple of years later, literally, did you know if Kyle Williams can hold on to the fucking football, you know, uh, Justin Smith makes a sack that probably puts us in the Super Bowl in, in 2011 against the Giants. So, to me, I don't necessarily want the sexy names. I don't want Clowney. I don't want – because I, I think what the Niners are trying to do, and to me it makes the most sense, is they're trying to be the sum of all their parts. And when I say the sum of all their parts is I think that's what they kind of did this year. You know, that that they were kind of hoping that, hey, you know, Cassius Marsh by himself and Ronnie Blair by himself and all these players by themselves might not be great. But if you put them together all in one unit, they could be great. And I, 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 that's almost is this is even Earl Thomas, 
you know, that's fine. I have no problem with us signing Earl Thomas, especially if it's a, a incentive-laden contract like Sherman's. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Please, by all means, I'll drive Earl Thomas to to 49-49 Centennial myself. But I don't want that to be our only option. Now, I understand that means that, you know, we can't get, you know, the sexiest name or whatever, but I just – what the thing that scares me the most about the Niners is I don't want us to put our eggs in one basket because I think that's what you kind of saw this year. You kind of you know saw the, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say like, what do you technically mean? Well, like, so if what I'm saying is 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 I want to go out there, I'll just use Earl Thomas, for example. Earl Thomas, okay, we're set at free safety, that's fine. Well, okay, I understand, you know, Earl Thomas is a great free safety, perfect for our scheme and everything like that, but what if? I, I, want, to be, I want to have a better what-if plan. You know, I don't want, if somebody goes down in training camp or week two, I want, I want, to, sit, I want to sit through 14 weeks of, of football Without Jimmy, you know, with with without a main reason for our hope, is and I understand that we're not going to fix all our issues this off season. This team's probably still going to have holes at the end of this year, but that doesn't mean that we can't compete. That doesn't mean that you know we 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 can't you know win. So ideally, I'll kind of just before we get out of here, I'm going to kind of give my kind of not necessarily players, but top positions and I'll kind of let you do the same. But to me, I want to walk out a free agency in the draft with a free safety, a corner, an edge rusher and a receiver. If we get those four things, those four things solved or even two out of three, I think we'll, we'll be in really good shape. I think that that doesn't mean that, would I like to have a would I like to add a sandbacker? Yeah, I would like to add a sandbacker. But right. I don't think that sandbacker is a screaming need. I think we have I think we have bigger issues. I mean, and honestly, I, I won't yeah, even I put the move. I won't even put free safety. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just simply going to say, like, in my opinion, like, the most dire need that we have on the team is as rusher. And besides that, yeah, yeah, of course, you can always try to upgrade at other positions. But to me, that's my number one need. And everything after that is you're just trying mm-hmm. to upgrade at certain spots, you know, and have some playmakers yep. there. And wouldn't you say we're in yep. a position where we do seem like we're, like, several pieces away where we're not really in a – we're not really in a position right now where, like, thirsty for more bodies. Like, we have – all those kind of bodies that we need. Now we just need to add some playmakers of all to the mix, obviously edge rusher yeah. included. And, and, and you know that's. that's I agree. And, and see, this is this is this is. If you told me, TJ, you could have Earl Thomas or Javani uh, and Clowney, right? I would take Clowney. Right. And the reason that I would take Clowney is, I believe a great pass rush can help out a suspect secondary more than a suspect secondary or that a great secondary can help out a subpar pass rush. If that makes sense. 100%. I think, and so to me is 
is, it's, it's, and that's when I say that that you know, yeah, you wanted to you know add Mark Nazocha shouldn't be our our starting Sam Backer next year, but he's capable of it, and so there's bigger needs, yeah. and so I feel like almost like how Jimmy G Cool covered up some deficiencies in the in this offense. You know, and and last season, you know, during that five game streak, I believe that a, a legit edge rusher could cover up some suspect, you know, things in the secondary. Now, I think what also I've been seeing in a lot of these Niner groups, and I want to question the faithful, uh, caution the faithful before we get out of here on this is don't expect Sherman to come out and just be shut down and everything is, is great and, and, and a repeat of next season. Does that mean that I think Richard Sherman's going to have a garbage season? No. I think Richard Sherman's kind of like Michael Jordan. Where Michael Jordan's skills towards the end of his career were clearly diminishing, but he was still able to be productive. Why? It's because as the older you get, your body may break down, but you understand the other aspects of the game more. That's why Jerry was still productive with the Raiders. You know, Jerry's skills had clearly diminished with you know by the end of the Niners, but Jerry was still able to be a productive receiver because he was able to understand the mental aspects of the game. And so, sure. to me, I think to save Sherman, even you know uh, Kilo, even Adrian Colbert, I think that if we if we go out with Akilo Weatherspoon, um, Richard Sherman. Jaquaski Tart and Adrian Colbert are are our starting secondary. That's not the world's greatest secondary, but when you have a legit edge rush or you know edge rusher or two, I think that's enough to win you some football games. And and this first inning going back to the Harbaugh years in terms of obviously Alden and Justin Smith. Obviously, we had a great obviously shout out my Brooks too. Yeah, when. You know, it's called you, – you, you never put the wagon before the horse. And in this particular scenario, the secondary is the wagon, and the horses are your edge rushers. You know, you always got to get the horses first, and then you add the wagon. But, you know, yeah, exactly. like around the floor, but my point is, you want your edge rushers buck nasty? Yes, the rest of the secondary does benefit. The linebackers should do too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The linebackers should too. And linebacking core, I don't think it's 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 – as much as an issue as people want to think it is, because I think that well, think. as we get a better defense, as we get a better edge rusher, and maybe add some de- more depth on the inside, you know, uh, obviously adding Catavius K- Street, for example, you know, let's not forget that he's coming back this year. Now he's coming after a- off of ACL, but still, he's coming back this year. I think that yeah. because essentially, what's 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 the defensive lineman's job? Yeah, it's to rush the quarterback and, and, you know, plug up the lanes. But really what it is, it's the the most – in most defensive calls, the job of the defensive lineman, if they can't get to the quarterback, is to keep linemen off the linebackers. So the linebackers can feel free to flow and and make plays because your linebackers are generally going to be fast enough to go make your tackles. And so when – I, I, I wanted this to happen so bad because it'd be so much easier to explain. But as 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 soon as we find somebody besides Bifo that demands a, a double team, you know, you're gonna see everything open up. I really generally do this. Now, I know I keep on saying this. Before we get out of here, Adam, I wanted to get your opinion 
on uh, one thing, Jeff, because it's been a while since we talked. Uh, any uh, thoughts or opinions on DB coach and uh, D-line coach? Uh, yeah, we hired a hard defensive line coach today from the Dolphins, and uh, according to the source, oh, um, that put it in there. Okay. Um, I guess supposedly he's one of the best in the business, so I'll kind of take okay. that person's word for it. Now. So it seems like a solid hire there. Um, Cameron Wake and Will Hayes, defensive ends, are going to be free agents, so something kind of to keep an eye out there. I ended up doing a little tweet about mm-hmm. that, you know, for the culture of those players. Yeah, i seen that right before. I was going to ask you about that. i seen that right before we went on air. Sorry. i I seen that, that tweet you did right before we went on air. <laughs> Yeah, that's all good. Uh, you know, somebody's sitting out there saying, like, oh, my God, no, can't wait. He's old as hell. Um, he still had, like, six, seven sacks last year, and he still ends up getting some pretty damn good pressure. I'm not talking a four-year deal. Like, that's the kind of guy maybe you bring in for a one-year deal and uh, see what he kind of gives you. Obviously, depending on how the other edge rushers go in free agency. Um, so, something to kind of keep an eye on there. As far as the DB coach, I have no clue. Uh, I, I don't overly think about position. I could just be completely on with Unless it was an old Niner like, um, you know, for example, Martin Hanks, you know, coming coming back to coach the DBs, I could give you anything. Now, as far as my, I guess this will be a mute point if we already hire that defensive lineman from from um, Miami. Uh, yeah, Miss Debbie, my my four away Empire mother, I love you, Miss Debbie. Um, she brought up bringing Bryant Young as defensive line coach. And see, normally, yeah. I don't like to bring superstar, first-round pick, extremely talented coaches in because, you know, uh, a lot of coaches will teach you the way they do things. And, you know, BY just was born with abilities that not your average person has. Like, you know, and so, so, so okay. sometimes that could get frustrating because it's like, you know, hey, BY, well, guess what? Not everybody's as skilled as you are. Not everybody can – have the 40 time that you do. But with Bryant Young, because he was such a technician, I'd actually agree with it. I, I would. It, yeah. To me, I think that not obviously there are better coaches than other coaches, you know, obviously Bill Walsh is a better coach than, you know, Jim Tom Sula. <laughs> I mean, you know, but to me, I think that also, it's Bill Walsh always used to talk about the way you practice, and and I, I to me I'm not saying let's go hire every old diner you know from back in the day and everything like that, but but he has the coaching experience. He's been coaching for a while, not only with Atlanta but also the University of Florida and things like that. So it's not just oh we're hiring Bryant Young because you know he has that experience and things like that. And also it's. I know that they bring back the, the the players and everything like that, but I think that there's there's just I think it would bring that extra up for a, for a lack of a better word I can't really describe it, but I think that when you opportunity that he can pull up his whole defensive line room, he can point to the Niner Museum and point that he's the number one you know sack leader in sacks in team history. That kind of that that's that's some pelts on the wall, and I think that's when when people talk about bringing veteran leadership, I think also what Justin Smith brought with yeah talent things like that, but he brought some pelts on the wall, and I almost think that that's that's why the reason I think that we we kept Navarro Bowman, I believe one of the biggest reasons reasons Bo wasn't cut in the beginning of the season, 
was because it was somebody who could, you know, point to the, you know, point to pelts on the wall and say, hey, look, I've been to Pro Bowls and things like that. So, I mean, it, sure. I guess it's all a mute point if we already decided, hired our D lineman or maybe even BY, maybe they tried and BY wasn't interested. But yeah. I just kind of wanted to throw that out just because, you know, it's important. Because For I sure. think what a lot of people want to, a lot of people want to talk about Harbaugh. And, you know, Harbaugh was a great coach. I think one of the greatest attributes of Harbaugh wasn't his X and O's. I think that Kyle Shanahan is a way superior coach when it comes to X's and O's than Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Harbaugh had two abilities that Kyle Shanahan, well, one that Kyle Shanahan shown, but one that Kyle Shanahan hasn't been able to show, which is to pick the best staff. Because if you look back at, at what really hurt the Niners, and people inside the organization will say, it's not that the, hurting the Niners, what hurt the Niners was firing Jim Harbaugh. Because majority of the time, head coaches really don't spend that much time with, with, with their players. You spend 99% of your time with your position coach. And so what really hurt the Niners is that they didn't bring back their, their um, assistants. We lost Vic Fangio. We lost, you know, Brad Seeley. We lost, you know, obviously Jim Tom Sula stuck around. And so to me, I think that just blowing off our, 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 you know, coaching hires, look, these are the players, these are the coaches that spend majority more time with the players than Robert Saller or Kyle Shanahan. And so, you know, anybody who, who kind of blows it off and, Oh, well, we could just pick whatever. Hey, that's not necessarily the case. And so uh, real quick. Also, I, this will be the last thing I promise I'll let you go, bro. Um, what do you think about keeping Sala? I like it. Um, 49ers, so I don't know if people have seen it out there. 49ers, with the whole season we ended up having with all the circumstances and injuries, we ended up finishing 13th in defense. And we all know about the injuries we had on defense and lack of edge rushing. Yeah. You know, Adrian Kluber getting hurt. Ruben Eight Monster, different players playing in our secondary. I'm sorry? I said eight different players playing in our playing in our secondary. Um, we had eight different combinations throughout the year in our secondary. There's not one. I saw this stat pulled up, and I thought this was pretty interesting. And I think this kind of, I think this tells you more about why we had you know the quote unquote least worst safeties, is that we did not the only game that we had it was only one or two games all year that we had the same starting safeties in back-to-back weeks. And so think about that because a lot of, a lot of defense is communication. A lot of defense is trusting where your teammates are going to be. And if you're not playing the same players over and over and over again, I mean, why were Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman so great? Is Yeah, they're great linebackers, but why were they a great time? It's because they played so much football together. And because they knew where each other were going to be, and they knew how to read off to each other, you know what I'm saying? Especially when and they knew, you know, you definitely got to be on your feet. Exactly. And so, to me, I think that the thing that I brought up made the most sense too is, is if if you want to pre- preach patience, and and you know it's going to take time and brick by brick, firing your you know defensive coordinator you know, year two is, is extreme. Now, people would say, you know, I was, I was on the fire solid train. But 
the reason I'm not on the fire solid train anymore is because of not just because of this, but Marcel Harris. And the reason I, I, I feel that, that, that what he did with Marcel Harris is Marcel Harris, we all know had a, had a rough game, his first game in Seattle, but he stepped up the rest of the, the rest of, of the year, you know, playing quite, you know, well, he, he, he played well. I think that he might give Jaquaski Tartar a run for his money next year for, for the starting role. And that doesn't happen without great coaching. You know, a player doesn't go from having a rough week to balling out the rest of the season. No, I shouldn't say balling out, but playing well the rest of the season without some great coaches. Here's another and good point. So, Look at how hard he had to be playing down the set, you know, having a losing season in that game. Remember how freaking he almost tore his ACL jumping in joy. Yeah, right? That, that too. And also, I think what also people are tending to forget too is that, you know what, uh, the, the, the enthusiasm and everything like that, and this is kind of also my thing kind of too, is who do you got that's better? Because, you know, I heard some people bring out Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was not going to take another defensive coordinating job this year. You know, Vic Fangio was taking a head coaching job or nothing. <laughs> so Right, or staying put. Or staying put, essentially, yeah. He was going to be either the Bears D.C. or – you know, head coach. So I think sure. that that with with Robert Sala, I think that you know you try. And, and Shanahan knows him; he has a relationship with him. And and you know, I to me, it'd be different if you know he wasn't putting an effort or anything like. There's nothing to believe that he's not trying to be the best coach yeah. he could possibly be. on down the stretch, and that's a big no-no. That probably would have got let go if the defense gave up. To be honest. Exactly, and I think this. I think what also is not understood, and what we need to do as Niner fans, and this is frustrating. Trust me, I know. Is that you know, we need to separate and understand that. GM, head coach, defensive coordinator. This is all the first time in their in their roles. You know, Robert Saul has never had to coordinate a defense, and so I'm pretty so sure that you know, he had all the tools needed to succeed as well. You know, so exactly. to really fire somebody they don't have all the right tools, it's like firing a chef. You know, for not making a great salad, he didn't even have the tomatoes or something like that. You know, exactly, exactly. And to me, to my thing is, is that. There, there were some coaching issues last year. I'm not going to by all say that Sala isn't on the hot seat. I would believe that Sala, if you told me Sala on the hot seat, I'd believe it. Yeah, if we have the, the league's worst-ranked secondary next year, yeah, we might have some issues. But also, I, I like like you said, also it's continuity. It's knowing your scheme. It's 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 you know, it's. I just don't believe that. If we would have, to me, I'll sum it up this way and we'll go ahead and leave. Um, if I told you we fired Robert Sala but brought back the exact same team, the back defensively next year, do you think we would have approved it on a, as a defense? If we would have simply just fired Sala but brought back every player? Right. That's, a, that's, See, a that's kind of my point. It's like, who else is available? You know, you, you also exactly. don't know everyone. Fire somebody and not have a plan 
you know, for somebody to come in and replace them. That's better. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't fire people and then go look for somebody. You look for somebody and then fire somebody. You know what I'm saying? That, that's well, kind of how you, how you should do it. Well, because what you, well, also what you don't want to do is you don't want to put yourself in a def- desperate situation where you have to take somebody. You never want to be in a position where you have to, you know, oh, my God, I have to hire a defensive coordinator because we don't have a defensive. No, you want to be able to be put in a situation where, like, look, um, you know, I would, let's say two, two, three years from now, you know, or, or it's, it's Bill Walsh. Why did Bill Walsh bring in, why did Bill Walsh bring in Steve Young? Yeah, Joe Montana was coming after a second back surgery and everything like that, but he didn't necessarily bring Steve Young in to start right away. He brought in as a backup plan. You know, Bill Walsh was famous for that. It's better to cut a player a year early than a year late. So, you know, it's kind of that thing. So, so if Kyle Shanahan puts in a call and says, you know, let's just say maybe, for example, um, Ken Norton is available next year. Okay, that's something we might look into. But, yeah, to, to I, I totally agree with you. It, it's to, to see and, and to, to – it's like trying to judge Kyle Shanahan without a quarterback. Because, you know, we all saw the Niners' offense look completely different those last couple games last year. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 especially the Jags game. Now, is that because Kyle Shanahan mysteriously became a way better coach? No, that's because he had a quarterback who could run his system. <laughs> you know, Kyle Shanahan was himself too. I'm so sorry to cut you off. Bill Walsh said it himself too. Yeah, like, yeah Kyle can swing the offense and get productivity out of it. But defense, you legitimately, yeah, you can coach yeah. a scheme all you kind of want, but sometimes you just need to have those dogs and players. You just need that talent. It's harder to scheme less talented players on defense that expect a really great result. You know what I mean? Well, because, well, because you know, what, what really, to me, Kyle Shanahan's greatest gift to, uh, as an offensive coordinator is he knows Kyle Shanahan's offense is all about putting players in positions where they have to make choices and they have to make choices mm-hmm. on the fly because most people, Bill Walsh talked about this. It's called um, uh, the score will take care of itself. And it's basically about not necessarily so much about X's and O's, but essentially like how he ran the Niners and, you know, wow. how he built the organization. And his thing said is he made, a, he talked about in a game, against the Raiders when he was with Cincinnati and he allowed not being prepared and happened to think on the fly. He made a mistake, cost the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the Bengals, the game. And Bill Walsh told myself, I will always be prepared for a situation. So why was Bill Walsh able to call the, the drive that won us the Super Bowl in 89? Not because Bill Walsh was a great, great thinker on the fly. It's because he had prepared for it. And, so to me, Kyle Shanahan's best Kyle Shanahan's best ability is to know that people generally don't think well on the fly, and you know. So what he does is he tests tests the defense ability to think on the fly and their communication. You know, all of a sudden this player is in this zone. He's your responsibility. He's two yards further downfield. He's another player's. Well, it, it causes that 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 requires communication. Hey, I'm passing them off to you. You know, test that and it tests it at a, a lightning speed. Defense is the complete opposite because in offense, you know where you're going. 
so you can make adjustments accordingly because you know where you're going. Defense, you have no idea where the offense is going. So you know what? I, I agree with what you're saying, basically, Adam, is, yeah. Well, I'd rather take a star. I'd rather take a yeah, I'd rather take a star-studded defense and have a great quarterback and a good running game. To me, that that's it. What, what, what was the Harbaugh era? The Harbaugh was we played smothering defense and played just enough good offense. You know, uh, who yep. was our most talented player during the Harbaugh era? Who was our most talented player on offense? Frank Gore. You know, you can make For an sure. argument about Cap too, but but Frank Gore. So how did we make it to the NFC Championship game without a superstar quarterback? Well, we played great defense and just enough offense. And so I think that that the the biggest thing also to get back to Salah and then we'll go ahead and end it um, is what I think is that is go back to 2016. How bad was that defense, Adam, in 2016? When it seemed like you you were picking people that you could pick. It seemed like you could go to the UPS store, pick out somebody, and they would rush for for 100 yards against the Niners. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, are we a Super Bowl caliber, whatever. But you know what? Look about how better our defense is. Because you know what? I'm pretty confident that even this year, I was pretty confident on one thing. I was pretty confident the Niners were going to stop the run. And any and football 101, defense 101, is make a team one-dimensional. That's football yeah. 101, defense 101. Is it once you make a, a, a team one-dimensional – then, you know, you should be able to stop them. And so Salah is not perfect, but to me, I, I think essentially what it came down to is, like you said, they didn't, he didn't have all the tools in his toolbox. And playing, also – Playing from behind a lot, you know, where you're on your toes because you don't know what the heck the office is going to yeah. do because they have to leave. They keep asking it on you. And here's the last point I want to bring up about Salah that was unfair to him. Let's not forget about those 32 turnovers, I believe, which was third worst in the NFL. Yep. That's often mm-hmm. all offense created that poor defense in bad situations. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, like, it, it's not even about putting the defense in the bad situations. How many games did that cost us? Oh, you know, I mean, we lost the Cardinals game because of our five turnovers. We dominated every other aspect of that game, the, the Cardinals game at home. Um, you look at the, the – um, you look at the Yams game, the first one, the one at home, even the one in L.A. How did that game turn? What, what really turned that game in L.A.? Turnovers. Three turnovers in the first half in the season finale, if I'm not mistaken. What? It was, it, was, it was three turnovers within the first four possessions? It, I think it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it almost seemed like it was on with the game. Hey, we're going to play from behind, and, and then we're going to try to come back and win. Exactly. And so I think that if you look at – it is a very valid point to bring up the offensive turnovers on uh, – you know, that does put the defense in bad positions. And also Dude. I think that what, the one thing that – I don't think it's Saul's fault. I don't. Because quarterback, you know, is the lack of turnovers on defense. What was it, six turnovers, five turnovers that we had at NFL record? It was two interceptions all year. I mean, so what makes defensive what makes defenses great? You know, turnovers. You limit football is it, it it's very simple when you look at it at break it down to simple element, is that football is about creating as much 
opportunities for your offense to score. And while how do you create opportunities for your offense to score? Just like just like you know, a turnover can put a defense in a bad position. A turnover can put an offense in a great position. And so, for sure. you add edge rush. You add edge rush, which I think will create a lot more opportunities for the, what do they say turnovers come from? Tips and overthrows. You know, so I think that's going to a put, give us a lot more opportunity to um, to create turnovers. And so, you know. Next year, look for our defensive statistics to look a lot better. Just off the fact that, that you know, in my opinion, yeah, I I definitely say. And if I mean, I would dare to look at, you know, let's just look in the playoffs right now. You know, off the top of my head, I don't know about statistically, but you would say one of the best playoffs, one of the best defenses going into the playoffs was the Bears, right? Bears had a legit defense. Yep. Now, it's funny. Last time I checked, the Bears were sitting at home, right? Now, that wasn't at yep. the fault of their defense. That was a special team blunder, which, by the way, how important is signing Robbie Gold? <laughs> how important is the fact that Robbie Gold only missed one field goal all year? I'm just saying. So anybody who thinks that they get that the guy's fingers were swollen, I'll leave that part out. But that ball did get that. But I clearly get your point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 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 side so Robbie Gold is so. My thing about it is, is that you know, if you have, I have the ability with Shanahan to say that we'll have a top five offense, just simply because of adding Jarek McKinnon, Jimmy and Jimmy G Coolback, and another year of, of, um, Dante Pettis, another year of George Kittle. Like I, I think that we legitly can. If if if, if we're all healthy and we have our offense. I think we can have a top 10 offense. And so if you give a top 10 offense and the top 10 defense, if the Niners can go into at the end of the next season, if the Niners can have a top five, off, a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense, and, you know, let's just gonna, say, let's say 10 wins. Was, that was with if we can have a, a top 10, CJ exactly, if we can have a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, and win 10 games, but not make the playoffs, I'm okay with that. I'll just chalk it up as it wasn't our year. If we, if you can say the Niners have a top 10 running a pass offense and running pass defense and have 10 wins at the end of the year and still not make the playoffs, I mean, what? that's just a bad luck, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, yeah, we just talked about it. Five, five games, you know, we pretty much blew it ourselves. You know, you think about the Chargers game where Eric Selleck freaking – must it at the like the Chargers six yard line yep. would end up like leading yep. the touchdown most likely and ended up being a fourteen point swing because it gets tipped and they return it to like our twenty. Exactly, and so 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 the point about it is, look, um, I'll go ahead and let, let you go after this, but but to, to wrap it up, basically what we're trying to say is, hardly, I would dare look at how many games were settled in the NFL by a possession or uh, more than one possession, more than eight points. And I bet you most games are settled by eight points or less. And so what does that okay. tell you? Most teams, most NFL teams aren't getting blown out. Even if you look at the worst teams in the league, look at the Cardinals. I bet you their, their win-loss, you know, victory margin is very slim. They probably lost probably about an average of maybe nine points. Wow. So what does that tell you? Most NFL came – most NFL games come down to who makes the, the least amount of mistakes. 
because yep. most teams aren't blowing teams out. I mean, I'll do the them. Like, uh, that part, like, as far as playing mistake-free and, you know, covering all three bases as far as defense, offense, and then playing the special teams, you know, cards. So, obviously, putting the offense defense in good positions. Uh, he definitely keyed in on those, and honestly, it led to winning games. Exactly. And so, there's plenty of reasons to think that we're going the right direction. I mean, I don't see anything right now except, you know, maybe Sala, which, you know, that more – Sala's more on the hot seat. But I don't see any reason to think that we're not going in the right direction. First of all, charm. As in third year for us, hopefully. And, you know, it's like I talked to um, – I was talking to the person in that group – Yesterday, and I said, "Look, can you tell that? Can you say that the free agent hall and and the the the, the draft hall was better in year two than it was in year one? I mean, overall, yeah, I would say that we got better players in year two than we did year one. Mike McGlinchey, Dante Pettis, you know, more players that are going to be starters. And so, what does that tell me? That tells me John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are getting better at their jobs, which is what you want. I don't want John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's first." best year to be year one. I want John Lynch, I want Lynch of Hand's best years to be year five or year six. I want them to be getting better as, as the years go on. And so for sure, it's just like anything else. And, you know, I think that when Jed came into the, uh, when Jed came into this, he knew that not only was going to be a process as far as rebuilding our roster, but it was probably going to be a process of anytime you make a hire and it's the first time somebody's done the job, you have to add some time for error for just simply making a mistake because it's the first time doing it. You know, Kyle Shanahan's not the best at, at clock management. He's not. You know, he, he he's not. But you know what? That's because he's never been in the position for clock management. He's never been the one in charge of timeouts because he's never been a head coach. But will he get better as the year went on last year? Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into it more uh, next week now that we're back every week. I'm done with my little hiatus. But um, thanks so much for, for, for calling in this week, Adam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, you know, big upcoming weeks coming up. You know, we're going to be coaching yep. at the Senior Bowl and then the Combine. And then hopefully, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Antonio Brown more smoke to come. So uh, stay patient, y'all. And thanks for having me on again. Yep, yep, yep. Of course. And uh, have a good we'll actually have some uh, – We'll have some actual uh, football, some actual, you know, Columbine and some things to go over soon. All right, brother. We'll, we'll see you next week. Take care. All right, everybody. So uh, we'd like to thank you again for listening this week. Um, I shall see you all next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. Till then, I'm going to say peace, love, and happiness. Go Niners. <laughs>